Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. You have tuned into the Daily Roundup on this, a Tuesday, March 21st, 2023. I'm David Menzies and my co-host, well, let me tell you a little bit about my co-host. Folks, do you know that today is National Common Courtesy Day? And I was going to suggest to my co-host that she write a piece about this but I was afraid she was going to tell me to blank off. She is the she-devil with a sword. She is the Khaleesi of Northern Alberta. She is the always polite Sheila Gunn-Reed. How you doing there, my friend? I'm doing great. It's also a National Poetry Day, so maybe I could write a haiku about how much I love you, David Menzies, for your oh, um, pleasant golly. introductions. Um, it's also International Day of Forests, um, so... The hippies will be acting up, as you know. How could I miss National Poetry Day? I would have written a poem about you, Sheila Gunn. No, no I... limericks, no limericks, no limericks. Stop it, stop <laughs> it, don't. Don't you dare. I never go that far. But you know what? Getting back to Common Courtesy Day, I think this is a good day because it says it serves as a reminder of the behavior that keeps society from melting into a sea of madness. It, in addition, the day brings awareness of how crucial common courtesy is in our lives and provides examples to help us improve. And you know, Sheila, um, I got to tell you, I so often hold my tongue. I'll go into a McDonald's or another fast food restaurant and the clerk probably making minimum wage comes to the person and says, how can I serve you? And the answer is, give me a coffee. Just like that, yeah. right? Not please, not hi, how are you? Uh, which I always do. But then again, maybe I'm holding up the line with that. But where did this come from? These are adults, not little children. Give me a coffee. Uh, and it just really rankles me. Of course, I um, keep my mouth shut. Toronto being Toronto these days. I don't want to yeah. lose my life over <laughs> common courtesy etiquette. But does that bother you as, it, as much as it bothers me? Or maybe Alberta is a kinder, gentler, uh, more common courtesy kind of place. It might be. I also judge people out in the world. Like I'm watching. I'm, a, I'm an observer, I think, as you might know, David. And I judge people by how they treat service staff, yes. employees in a grocery store, how they treat other people in the grocery store. Like if you're at the meat counter, are you just like reaching in front of somebody as they're trying to read the package? I do judge people. I take that in and I make an instant judgment about somebody else's character. But then sometimes I'm like, you know, you know what? I'm all out of patience. And the only thing keeping me from going ballistic in this grocery store right now <laughs> is that I don't look good in stripes and I don't want to go to jail. You know, but I've the been difference there. With, but the difference <laughs> between you and I is that you are weaponized. <laughs> that it's is true. why you are the she-devil with a sword. You know, what am I going to do? Put up my dukes? That's not going to turn out well for me, uh, I think. But uh, but you're absolutely right. And I, I hear about this, you know, in the dating world, you know, and you go on that first date, maybe it's a dinner. And maybe, you know, the guy is being sweet as pie to the person he's dating, but if he's yeah. treating the waiter or waitress oh, like dirt, don't you think the other person's going to notice that? And I think that kills any future, um, you know, date in, in the, uh, I, I mean, if you, assuming you care about common courtesy. And, you know, I find, Sheila, when I go in and I'm talking to somebody serving me, I always say, hey, how's your day going? And, you know, the smile that breaks out on their face because, 
maybe the last nine out of 10 customers were just treating that person as an automaton, you know, like a vending machine. And yeah. here's some guy saying, hey, how's your day going? And they always respond so positively, so nicely. So listen, National Common Courtesy Day, be kind to your server. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. Tip them well, you know, they don't make a lot of money. Tip them well. Yeah. Um, okay. I should tell everybody what we're doing here. Um, we are five minutes into the show. None of this stuff is um, out of the way. And uh, we've got a real, um, as you say, a packed pierogi of a news day. Uh, this is a Rebel News Daily Roundup. It's hosted normally by David Menzies. Sometimes I get to co-host with him and some of our other on-air talent, although they're more than just on-air talent. They are skilled journalistic professionals. Uh, we are currently <laughs> streaming on, sometimes I can't believe the things I try to get away with saying. Um, so sometimes, um, well, we always stream on YouTube. But YouTube, as you know, is a censorship platform. So if you want to support the work that we do completely willingly, why don't you watch us on another platform like Rumble or Odyssey, where you are able to leave a paid chat. And I love the paid chats because they democratize the show. So you get to listen to David and I talking for, I don't know, 45 minutes, an hour. Um, but you get to have your say too. Um, so leave us a paid chat and we will do our best to address those comments, questions, story ideas towards the end of the show. Sometimes we address them a little sooner, but it's a good incentive for you to stick around to the end of the show. Watch the end. That's where the fun happens. Um, and uh, it helps you support the work that we do because as you know, we will never take a penny from Justin Trudeau. We will never allow ourselves to be contaminated by taxpayer money forcibly confiscated from the taxpayer and then given to people to produce content the taxpayer doesn't care about. We don't want to participate in that system. It keeps us honest and it keeps us closer to our viewer as well. And, and you know, on that note, Sheila, um, one of the uncanny things I notice about this job, and it's happened several times, and, and it's for two reasons. I'll be out covering a story and somebody will recognize me and they actually come up to me and in addition to a nice compliment, they will give me cash money, which, of course, I bring back to Ezra the following day uh, so it can go into the coffers. I do not keep the money. And two things strike me about that, Sheila. I've never heard of anyone in mainstream media being given cash, I guess because there's an <laughs> assumption you're already taking it out of my bank yeah, account. Yeah, we did already. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there's a disturbing angle to this, too, Sheila. And it's, you know, because I, I always say, you know, if you want to donate, you can go and do a super chat. You can, you know, send us a check. But ever since the Canadian government froze bank accounts, mm -hmm. there is a percentage of people that well, I'm going to use the word paranoid, but I don't mean it disparagingly um, because we saw what happened. Right. And they are just afraid of any kind of paper trail having, you know, some Ottawa spook go after them and shake them down and say, uh, we don't like uh, who you're donating to. You are guilty of wrong thought, wrong speech. It, it's kind of chilly in a way, Sheila. Yeah, there are a lot of people out there who are very weirded out ever since the Freedom Convoy, worried about what their banks that they've had a long time relationship uh, will do to them. I, I will tell people, take a little bit of heart, although I, you didn't see a lot of public pushback from the banks during the Freedom Convoy. But I was reading through some public order emergency commission documents two days ago. And 
there was some pushback from the banks. The liberals were saying, how did we get the banks to do our bidding before we invoke the Emergencies Act? And the banks were saying, no, we definitely can't do that to our customers. We're, we'll work within the confines of our terms and conditions and within the law, but we're not going to do the things you want us to do because the liberals were doing something called signaling, whatever that means, to the banks um, to advise them to sort of cut off the relationship between them and their customers and freeze their bank accounts and banks weren't going to do it. So um, while they weren't vocal enough to saying like, yeah, these people are not terrorist financiers a la the Bin Ladens, um, <laughs> they just gave 20 bucks to a GoFundMe for truckers. Um, uh, the banks, some of them are okay. So I don't, don't be as scared as you are. Is and the moral and of what I'm saying. I'm sure he has one. I wonder which bank Omer Cotter put his eight-figure taxpayer check. Oh, I could find that out. <laughs> he was able to get a mortgage. Yeah, I remember that because he held it. We pulled his property or his yeah, we pulled his um property records, and I know he carries a mortgage or he did at the time on his house in West End of Edmonton, and uh, he was able to uh, buy that shady strip mall. In North Edmonton with his $10.5 million settlement for, um, I guess he had some sleepless nights is really what it amounted to. Well, sure, the question begs, why, why did he have to carry a mortgage when he's got 10.5? Because he didn't always have, he didn't always have that settlement. The settlement was a recent development after he was really like, you know, relatively recent, um, after he came to Canada, so or wow. came home, was repatriated, I guess is the right word. Um, yeah, so he did have a mortgage on the house. Well, Sheila, I, I, there's so much in the news today. Of course, today is a big day stateside. Uh, all the Donald Trump haters are waiting with bated breath to see if the ex-president is going to be arrested. Um, well, before I ramble on, what are your thoughts on this? Because I sure have a few, Sheila, but I want to see where you stand on this story. Do the Democrats in the United States realize they're acting like China? Like, do they realize it? Or like Vladimir Putin, like they won't shut up about Russians, um, but they are acting exactly the way um, these dictatorial oligarchs act with their adversaries. They just round them up and put them in jail. This is what they do to the people who are leading the democracy movement in Hong Kong. Now, you don't have to agree with Donald Trump, but you might have to have some concerns about the Democrat-run administration arresting the likely next nominee for the Republican, um, you know, the Republican run for the presidency. Normal people, like normal people who care about um, integrity of elections might care about this sort of stuff. You know, and Sheila, what I find incredible is the language being used in the mainstream media. They are obsessed over the term hush money, referring to the uh, deal uh, Trump had with uh, the stripper uh, Stormy Daniels. And it's hush money, hush money, hush money. I think uh, in you're other being words, kind when saying... you call her a stripper, by the way. I think you're being kind. <laughs> And you call that woman a stripper. <laughs> what would be the proper term? I don't want to get in trouble. Um, D-list porn star. Oh, okay. That's right. She did yeah. a little of that too. Um, a lot of that. I, but what I'm getting at, <laughs> Sheila, 
is the fact that when they say hush money, what they're referring to is a non-disclosure agreement. In fact, yeah. I would reach out to the New York Times and the Washington Post and the other big hate Trump media, CNN, MSNBC, etc., cetera, uh, and ask them, how many people do you have non-disclosure agreements with? In other words, hush money. But then, but it's not called hush money there, Sheila. With Trump, it's called hush money. And by the way, Stormy Daniels, as far as I'm concerned, I think the sum was $300,000. And that non-disclosure agreement was violated. So I think she owes uh, President Trump three hundred grand. Um, so maybe that's the real uh, crime committed here. But as we saw with the Kavanaugh hearings, Sheila, there is no um, statute of limitations when it comes to sexual assault. So if we're going after Donald Trump uh, and Stormy Daniels, then why aren't we going after ex-president Bill Clinton? You know, uh, Juanita Roderick uh, alleges he raped her violently when he was 32. Um, and no, but nothing to see here uh, because that's a Democrat. I, I can go through a litany of other Democrats involved in alleged sexual assault cases, and there's nothing there there. And again, it's the hypocrisy that somehow uh, Donald Trump should be indicted for this. And yet where's the indictment for Hunter Biden? from the evidence that we saw on his laptop. Oh, quite the contrary. We saw, before Elon Musk came in, that Twitter even went as far as deleting the Twitter account of the New York Post, which had, yeah. uh, which was the, the media outlet that broke this story. I, again, Sheila, um, I'm just astonished at the double standard here. Yeah, it's weird. The, look at the timing of this, right? Things are getting real ugly in the Hunter Biden stuff, yeah. um, money, you know, evidence of money changing hands, bank records, um, real, real evidence of corruption and influence peddling happening in the Biden family with hard documents coming forward. And then all of a sudden we're going to arrest Donald Trump and everybody go look over here. And I got a real tough time, by the way, um, hearing the mainstream media outlets, the likes of MSNBC, having an absolute conniption, losing their marbles about an NDA, calling an NDA hush money. Yeah. They made the women who accused Matt Lauer of sexual assault <laughs> sign NDAs. They did. Yeah. So, you know, so now these were allegedly, don't sue me, Matt Lauer, victims of violence, sexual violence at the hands of one of their keynote flagship personalities at the network. And they made those women sign NDAs. So again, I say, got a tough time watching you people lose your marbles about a standard NDA. There you go. And, and again, Sheila, it's the double standard. When it's on the left, it's an NDA, a non-disclosure agreement. When it's on the right, it is hush money. Uh, you know, so the language is weaponized. The language oh, is meant sure. to make... Uh, Trump looked like a villain, looked like a demon. Personally, I um, I hate to break it to all the anti-Trumpers out there. I don't think, if I had to bet, and I'm a betting man, and it doesn't usually go well, but this one I've got a really good hunch on, uh, Sheila, 
I don't think um, Trump is going to see the inside of a jail cell yeah. over this. I hate to break it to all the haters out there, but he's just not going to go to jail over this. Well, and you know what this does, too? I mean, the Democrats are very stupid, very, very stupid, because what this does is radicalize centrists who are like, Meh, you know what? I'm not sure if I like Trump. I'm more of a Nikki Haley girl or whatever, you know, um, or people who are seriously considering Ron DeSantis, who is not declared yet, but he wrote a book. And usually that's the precursor to this sort of stuff. Uh those people who are like firmly in the DeSantis camp, it radicalizes them around Trump because now that attack on Trump is an attack on them and freedom. And it, they sort of they will coalesce around Trump as the person to fight the Democrats. And I don't think that's a very smart idea for the Democrats who right now, who who's going to run their party? Joe Biden, his brain is like Swiss cheese at this point is just so full of uh, Alzheimer's or whatever degenerative dementia he's suffering from. And then who's behind him? Um, Kamala Harris or Kamala. I don't know how you say her name. She's so <laughs> unlikable that uh, I mean, she's somehow worse than Hillary Clinton. I don't know how that could happen. Like they have comparable cackles. She's worse. And Buttigieg, whose only claim to fame is being the mayor of a city roughly the size of Red Deer, Alberta, and uh, being a gay dad. So he checks identity boxes, but I don't know what his skill set is. He, he's done stuff that lots of people don't care about. Um, that's the talent pool on the Democrat side right now. You know, and uh, yeah, I, I I understand within the Democrat Party that there is just no compelling reason to have Biden get reelected <laughs> no. again. And they can't go for the vice president. As you said, she is like one of the most unpopular vice presidents, I believe, in, in uh, recent American history. So it's going to be interesting to see who's on that ticket. Who do you think, Sheila? I mean, I know where when you talk weeks even in politics, that's an eternity. So what's going to happen in 2024 uh, is multiple eternities. But do you have any thoughts on who we might see on the Republican ticket? Well, we already have Nikki Haley. Um, we've got uh, DeSantis, I think, is probably getting ready to announce. Um, then, of course, there's Donald Trump. I, I don't know who else there might be. Um, I don't know. I don't know. What's Jeb Bush doing? You know, you me, you need a couple mushy middle ones, right? Do we already have Nikki Haley, who I think is probably quite nice. I, I, I don't dislike her. She's just too much of a, a CBC conservative, if you know what I mean. Hmm. Well, there you go. Well, uh, we will watch with interest, as always. So changing gears, a uh, couple of LGBT stories in the news. I'm going to defer <sighs> to your opinion on this, Sheila, because... I do believe you identify as a biological woman, <laughs> but according to the Canadian Cancer Society, tell me, is this a joke? Trans women need to get screened for cervical cancer? Sheila, they don't like have cervixes like uh, this is the part that, you know, what? I'm so happy that I grew up in the time and the place that I did with the kind of parents that I had and the kind of mom that I had, because somebody like me would have been carved up like a Christmas turkey by these mangalas um 
because you know if you if you like trucks if you like guns if you like being outdoorsy and you like working out maybe you're a boy no no (laughs) no I grew up and I had you know three lovely kids but um today's kids are not getting that that same benefit of the doubt that they will grow into themselves as they get older but yeah this crazy stuff once again these are the same people who tell us to trust the science um, and listen to all things the TV doctors are telling you, well, this is what the Canadian Cancer Society is, they ask. As a trans woman, do I need to get screened for cervical cancer? If you're a trans woman, you may have given not given much thought to pap tests in cervical cancers. I don't know why you would, um, because <laughs> you, don't, you don't have those things. Um, and if you haven't, that makes a fair amount of sense. Yeah, I just said, I just, there's a reason why you haven't thought about it because you don't have those things. <laughs> After all, in order to get cervical cancer, you need to have a cervix. That is the organ that can, oh God. Okay. I don't even want to say the rest of this sentence. If you're a trans woman <laughs> oh, and have not had bottom surgery, you aren't at risk for cervical cancer. How, oh God, I hate saying all these words. However, if you're a trans woman who has had bottom surgery to create a vagina and possibly a cervix, there's a small risk that you can develop cancer in the tissues of your, oh my God, these words they've made up, neo-vagina and neo-cervix. The risk depends on the type of surgery you've had, the type of tissue used to create your vagina. Oh God, I just, this is too much. And cervix and your personal health history. Um, So apparently if you have a um, manufactured store-bought cervix, then you can get cervical cancer it's not cervical cancer then. It's probably a problem with your prostate, maybe. I don't know. I don't know, David. I guess when you are, you know, the great Rupert's Land boob squatch in your alter ego, I guess maybe you need to worry about um, cervical cancer now, I guess. And, you know, here's what drives me nuts about this story, Sheila. This advice isn't coming from some radicalized transgender group. It's coming from the Canadian Cancer Society. Their mandate should be all about medical science. But you see, even these uh, former august bodies have become woke, Sheila. And so so it is they don't want to hurt anyone's feelings by saying, you know what? I know the, the slogan out there, trans women are real women, but Well, not really, because as you adroitly pointed out, you don't have a cervix, so you don't have anything to fear. Maybe you have prostate cancer issues to fear, but if we mention that, that brings you back to your former alias as a male, and that might be triggering and offensive to you. So we'll just pretend it's cervical cancer uh, so that no one has their feelings hurt, but That's not the role of doctors and scientists, Sheila, not to hurt feelings. They should be driven by the cold, hard science. And, uh, well, apparently that's too much of an ask in 2023. I find this stuff so irritating because, um, first of all, where are the feminists in all of this? And I don't, I say this all the time, I don't care about how adults live their lives. I'm too busy caring about the people around me that I love and care about to care about how somebody else is living their life. I just don't want the government 
to make me care. And I also care very deeply about abject reality. Um, there are objective truths in the world. And one of those objective truths is that men, no matter how they're living their lives or no matter how even they look or surgically altered they are, later on, they don't have a cervix by which to get cervical cancer. And I find it very irritating when people who wear femininity as a costume, again, like I said, wear whatever you want. I dress how I want. You live your life however you want. But it is not some badge of honor or validity to have psychosomatic female conditions. You see these people online posting about how they're having menstrual cramps. And I'm like, you don't. Once again, you don't have a uterus to cramp. I don't care how many estrogen tablets you take. You don't have anything to cause those cramps. That's indigestion. Go walk around. Um, you know, lay off the fiber supplements, whatever. But that's it's not menstrual cramps. But if you say to them, you know what, that that's actually a psychosomatic issue, probably indicative of broader mental health issues that you probably should get looked at. You are somehow the anti-science transphobe. Um just by pointing out that you actually you actually don't have a uterus. It it's crazy. I care about reality. Well, Sheila, we live in a day and age in which a US Supreme Court justice, a female one, no less, can't even provide the definition of what a woman is. So uh apparently anything goes. And when you see the Canadian Cancer Society issuing a ludicrous release like that. Um, this is just a strike against science and uh, medicine, as far as I'm concerned, for all the reasons you outlined. Well, we got to take an ad break on the LGBT uh, ABC XYZ file. More to come. Apparently, NHL San Jose goaltender James oh Reimer, God. he's being demonized and vilified. Did he let in a really bad, crucial goal? Oh, no. He, no. Um, gracious. He's clinging to Christian beliefs. Off with his head. Let's play this ad and we'll take it up on the other end. Have you checked out the fresh new swag we have at rebelnewsstore.com? Like this nifty resistance trucker sweater. We have warm, cozy sweaters, t-shirts, mugs, hats, phone cases, you name it. Everything to fit your freedom-loving needs or maybe even trigger a liberal family member or friend. And for a limited time, you can use code Tamara10 at checkout to save 10% off of your total order. So head on over to rebelnewsstore.com, check out all of our new designs, make some purchases, and use code Tamara, that's T-A-M-A-R-A, -A -A, 10 at checkout for 10% off your order. Head on over, check it out. Yeah, so as I alluded to earlier, uh, Sheila, around the NHL, which I, another sports organization that has been infected with wokeness. In fact, a few months ago, they put out a nonsensical tweet about real uh, trans women being real women. And uh, I wonder, you know, what their reaction would be if uh, I know there's startup women's professional hockey leagues when an ex NHLer male decides to identify as a woman and just steamrolls uh, through the biological woman. Maybe then they'll they'll change their tune. But um, in the warm up on the weekend, um, the San Jose Sharks, their goalie is the ex Leafs goalie James Reimer from Manitoba, I believe. And yep. they took to wearing 
um, what's called pride themed uh, shirts. Um, I'll, I'll tell you, oh my God, look at that. Look what they did to that poor, poor shark. It looks like a rancid dead shark as opposed to a, a great white shark. Uh, I, I mean, you got to put those colors out. Now, here's the deal. Um, Reimer decided not to wear the pride jersey. And you would think it was the darkest day since 9-11. People are losing their minds about this. And I'm thinking a hockey roster, Sheila, uh, that's what, 20 players, I do believe. So one out of 20 didn't wear this. So meaning you've got 95% buy-in. And by the way, when I say buy-in, I wonder how many players didn't want to wear that. But you know what's going to happen if you do. And um, James Reimer decided not to. Um, a couple months ago, you may recall, Ivan Provorov of the Philadelphia Flyers, he did the same thing and uh, was completely vilified. What you know? Before I get your thoughts on this, uh, Sheila, this is what is making me watch less and less sports. It's this wokeness, this you know, leftist political, uh, you know, ramrodding down our throats what we should believe in. And it used to be once upon a time. I think myself and so many other people, you went to the movies, you tuned into a sports game to escape all this stuff. You know, you wanted to engage in a um, a form of entertainment, a form of fantasy. But no, nope, that ha once again, this kind of political message has to be shoved down our throats. And again, what this is a community that has long said all we want is acceptance. All we want is tolerance. Well, isn't acceptance and tolerance a two way street If these players because of their Christian beliefs? don't believe in donning uh, that shirt, then wh why should you care? You know, what? but it's not about tolerance and acceptance anymore, Sheila. It's about affirmation. It's about demanding society at large get on an Apple box and say, oh, I so support this. I so love this. Well, frankly, not everybody's on side with that. That doesn't mean they're haters. It just means... They're not into affirming your lifestyle. You know, these people, what does it matter? It Like, I, I just don't understand why this is any part whatsoever of sport. Nobody cares. Uh, you know, as uh, quickly when I recognize James Reimer's name, I'm like, ah, Reimer, Manitoba, he's Mennonite. And I started looking. The Mennonite community in on the prairies, by and large, because that's where they all are, they're really cranking out some hockey players. Disproportionately, based on the size of their community, they are hammering out some serious hockey players. There's Eric Fair, Dustin Penner, James Reimer, Dave Schultz, by the way, Jonathan Taves, all Mennonites from the prairies. Wow. Um, and, and all Reimer said was, I don't discriminate against anybody. Basically, please don't discriminate against me. These are my Christian beliefs. I hold them dear. I don't discriminate against anybody. I'm not telling anybody how to live their lives. Just please extend the same courtesy to me. But no, it's it's like uh, that AIDS ribbon thing with uh, Kramer back in the day on Seinfeld. It was like a prophecy, right? Like it was a joke back then that you would be jumped and beaten at an AIDS walk 
for a thing that you actually support, human rights being left alone, whatever, um, if you didn't wear the symbol. Yeah. But that's what it is now. We've got hockey players being canceled because they don't wear the symbol of this other group. When, you know, James Reimer is basically just saying, leave me alone. I leave you alone. Let's just all do our thing. Um, like this, this is so inconsequential. But they would have somebody violate their conscience to do it. And if you are a person of conscience, if you're a religious person, to violate your conscience, you're putting your soul in jeopardy. Like that is a terrible, whether or not you believe that to be true for yourself, that's a terrible psychological, moral, and religious terror you're willing to inflict on another person. What? So you can bring them to heal for your own beliefs? These people who say that they care about diversity, they are the exact opposite because they don't believe in diversity. They believe in homogeneity. Everybody has to believe and think the exact same thing and they get determined to determine what that thing is. And what I'm curious about, Sheila, I mean, we're in the month of March. Um, All these pride celebrations, they revolve around the month of June. I mean, it used to be Pride Day, then it's Pride Week, then it became Pride Month. And uh, well, heck, if you go down to the Scotiabank Arena, in Toronto, it is permanently lit up in the rainbow colors. Um, it, it, it never goes away. Uh, and, and they call it, uh, oh, no, it's not pride, it's mosaic, but it's all the same colors as pride. They don't even have the, um, I guess, the, I don't know, common decency to admit what it is they're doing because they, I understand Scotiabank paid $800 million for 20 years of naming rights seems to me you'd want your logo on that rink and the way it's you know presented to people across Canada which is red and white but no at the at the former Air Canada Center it's the uh it's it's the pride colors and you know I couldn't help but notice I mean if uh super producer Efren can get that shark logo up again because I think this is so telling in terms of the uh coloration oh there you go um now you see Sheila the pride you know rainbow symbol it's on the hockey sticks very small in terms of the real estate of that logo but look at the shark blue pink white those are the trans colors right so the percent of a percent and by the way they've got the trans colors on the hockey stick too the you know the bipoc vagina logo um so this is the tail that's wagging the dog now and i find it kind of odd because you see people in that community we talked about this last week i believe lgb without the t so in other words bisexuals lesbians and gays saying you know what we're not buying into this radical trans agenda but sheila what what are your thoughts in why they didn't make the shark rainbow colored but they decided to make it an embodiment of the uh the trans flag you know what? I, I just don't even know why an NHL organization cares about any of this. And then they, yeah. I don't know if you saw those tweets from the Sharks over the weekend in their official Twitter account. They were basically subtweeting Reimer, trolling their own player on Twitter. Like, just leave well enough alone. Leave this guy to his religious beliefs. It doesn't hurt anybody if he doesn't wear the stupid shirt in the warm-up. And by the way, sharks, 
You're dead last. You're dead last <laughs> in the Pacific Division. Maybe focus on hockey. Maybe. Maybe don't disgruntle your uh, players, by the way. Do you think the Rhymer is going to play his heart out for this team that took to Twitter to publicly embarrass him? Do you think? I'd be begging for a trade right now. I would not want to lace up and play my heart out, put my body on the line for a team that basically did their best to publicly embarrass me and renounce me in the most passive aggressive wussy way as they did over the weekend. Sheila, oh I'm actually Almighty. surprised. And I'm only saying this half jokingly. I'm actually surprised that Reimer and the Philadelphia flyer player haven't been suspended. Um, and for, for having a contrary opinion for standing up uh, for their Christian beliefs. I mean, where was the tolerance to these Christians coming from a community that is always screaming about acceptance and tolerance. There's none. Like I said, it's, yeah. there's one viewpoint. All these corporations are going woke. Um, social media is going woke. Entertainment's going woke. And if you are the, you know, the, the um, round peg, they're going to try to hammer you into that square hole. Um, luckily, you know, these guys are, at some point, they're millionaires. And so, you know what? Get suspended. You're going to be fine. By the way, I think the NHL Players Union is kind of powerful. I'm not sure these um, these uh, teams actually want to go up against the Players Union because in arbitration, they quite frequently lose. <laughs> That's true. But <laughs> on, on this particular topic, uh, Sheila, don't be surprised if the union is all in. Because as we saw oh, through sure. the, uh, uh, the COVID pandemic, how many unions sided with management in terms of frog marching, card-carrying union members out the door to be suspended without pay. So when it comes to wokeism, I know it's a different topic, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, the players' union, if Reimer were to be suspended or fined, if they did not go to bat for them because they'd be worried about the optics too. This is, you know, again, when we talk about this community, it is ultimately the biggest example of the tail wagging the dog, and they're getting away with it. They are getting away with it because people are cowards. They're afraid to take a stance because the woke mob came after them. But if we all took a stance against this, we're in the majority and we would endure. But this is the sign of the times we're living in. Uh, switching gears again, uh, Sheila. Oh, well, look at this. Uh, Trudeau. Uh, was answering reporters in confidence about the export process that the independent rapporteur. Oh, that's that's a, a mistake here, uh, Super Producer Efren. It's not an independent rapporteur. It's an independent special rapporteur. You know, blackface doesn't deal with garden variety rapporteurs. Independent. Ra <laughs> yeah, yeah, independent. Yeah, yeah. It's a special rapporteur. And uh, oh, man, uh, this is unbelievable. Blackface stating that Pierre Polyev is generating a political circus on this matter. This is incredible. Let's hear what Blackface himself has to say. <laughs> Will this be a confidence motion? Uh, no, it's not going to be a confidence motion. Obviously, it goes to uh, how important uh, the uh, issue of foreign interference is. Uh, and I'm actually you know, pleased to contrast the approach that we've taken, which is uh, with terms of reference uh, for the rapporteur that's going to be coming out later today, people will see uh, that there is an expert process that will dig into this in a nonpartisan way. And people can contrast this with the kind of uh, political circus that uh, Mr. Polyev is trying to generate.
Uh, Sheila, define for me political circus. I think this is the most serious thing that can happen to a nation. Well, aside from border security, but we don't have that anymore. Uh, one need only go to Roxham Road uh, to see that truism. But when you have uh, bad actors meddling in our election, and keep in mind, uh, it is suspected that eight conservatives lost their seats due to uh, foreign Chinese meddling. Um, what? Where's the circus here? This is a very serious thing. As I've said before, it's Watergate on steroids. And I think the question is, when did Trudeau know about this? What did he do about this? And indeed, Sheila, did he even collude in the meddling? Because it was all about getting certain liberals elected, getting certain big mouth conservatives unelected and uh, giving blackface another minority government. Why would he have a problem with that? But at the end of the day, much like the Emergencies Act inquiry, Sheila, this is going to be a lot of blathering on with zero tangible results. And I say this because, again, David Johnson, the special rapporteur, he's the guy, the, the, the Trudeau family friend. And you know what? You know, Sheila, what I discovered on the weekend, um, Warren Kinsella, if you can imagine, has a weekly column in the Toronto Sun, which I thought skewed right of center, but nevertheless... And even Warren Kinsella, this liberal hack, this smear job uh, artiste, was coming out against David Johnson getting this role that he should have recused himself given the personal connections with the Trudeau family, but did not. So I think when you see diehard liberals saying, you know what, something really stinks in the state of Ottawa right now, that's really telling. You know, it's interesting how he continues to stack the deck against any sort of semblance of accountability for himself. Um, by the way, I imagine the audacity of a guy who is known for <laughs> dressing up in costumes and acting like a clown saying that other people are creating a circus. Um, but yeah, so the, it's a conservative motion um, uh, to force a vote on uh, studying um, the impact of foreign interference into Canada. And he has decided that this will not be a confidence motion. A confidence motion means if it goes up against the government um, and, it, and you know, the, it, they vote against the government, then we go to an election. And Justin Trudeau knows that he's in real trouble. So that's the last thing that he wants. So instead of um, making the foreign interference motion a confidence vote. The Liberals are instead saying that we are having, quote, ongoing discussions, whatever the yeah. hell that means. And what they're trying to do is block Katie Telford from testifying. And for them to say, we're not hiding anything, but you definitely can't talk to this person who is in Justin Trudeau's ear all the time. If you weren't hiding anything, just let people talk to her. Let her be questioned under oath, but they oh, don't, which Sheila, says a I lot think... about what's happening here. I think uh, that uh, victory has been secured, uh, you know, although I, oh, I want to know what the catch is, because Katie Telford evidently will be available for oh, questioning. Oh, that's fantastic. This is what they were filibustering for for days. Yes, for weeks. Uh, but you know what? I, I, I just wonder if she's being coached in a certain fashion to answer questions without, you know, providing a real tangible answer. Yeah, I, I were, I'm just reading on it. I should have been more prepared before I came onto the live stream, but I was doing some other work. Um, 
it sounds like the NDP, oddly enough, put some pressure on the Liberals um, and said, you know, you, our coalition might fall apart if we don't have Telford uh, to testify. And she has, I guess the Liberals have said, okay, fine. Okay, fine. She will testify. And it says this move is an effort to find a compromise with the NDP who had threatened to help the Conservatives pass a motion that would see Telford and numerous other federal officials testify as part of an entirely new committee study. So um, I'm shocked the NDP did something good for them. It's, it, I guess every dog has its day. And speaking of which, I mean, there's plenty of blame to go around on this file. Uh, NDP leader Jagmeet Singh continually propping up this government when I think he has a gracious way out of it, as I've stated before, Sheila, saying, listen, we didn't know about this electoral interference. We we, we can't in good conscience uh, prop up this government. Uh, but no, uh, again, I go back to the timeline. Jagmeet Singh got elected in 2019. Uh, the next election could be 2025, which is exactly six years, which is what he needs for the full MP pension. And like I said, when you're wearing Armani suits and wearing Rolex watches and driving a BMW M3, uh, you know, that's kind of expensive. So Jugmeet's thinking of the future. But let's hear what Pierre Polyev had to say about the NDP leader. The, the question was for the NDP leader. I don't know if he's a part of the government. He should be able to get up and answer questions. I don't know why he's hiding behind his liberal bosses again. Uh, his job is to work for the people, not to work for the prime minister. But now we're hearing rumors, they're unconfirmed, that he's going to help the liberals cover up this scandal by blocking the prime minister's chief of staff from testifying about what she knew about Beijing's assistance of the Liberal Party in multiple elections. So finally, will the NDP leader stand up and answer the question, will he help the Prime Minister cover up or will he stand up for the truth? The Honourable Parliamentary Secretary. Election interference is something on this side of the House that we've taken seriously since we first got elected in 2015. Unlike the members opposite, when the leader of the opposition was actually in charge of democratic institutions, he stood idly by and did nothing. For 10 years that government did. So since we've been elected, Mr. Speaker, we have been in, in seized with this issue since 2015. We've made election security a priority. We put in sight oversight, oversight processes. Mr. Speaker, this is an issue that's important to Canadians and it's important to us on this side of the House. Gee, Sheila, was Jugmeat not in the House that day or, or was he hiding behind her skirts yeah. in terms of getting the question answered? You know what? This has been ongoing for a long, long time, the Liberals covering up Chinese influence. Yeah. Um, our researcher sent me yesterday something that we had in the archives since 2010. That's We have archives. We know everything. <laughs> and it was um, September 13th, 2010. And it was public safety minister, conservative public safety minister, uh, Rick Taves. Uh, they were calling on him to apologize for tarnishing the reputation of the Chinese Canadian community after a letter from CSIS director Richard Fadden revealed that the minister was fully aware in advance of the director's plan to level serious allegations of foreign influence, said Liberal Public Safety Minister Mark Holland. We now have confirmation of Minister Taves' role in this insult 
to the Chinese Canadian community, and we demand a full apology from him, Prime Minister Stephen Harper, and all Conservative MPs. The letter confirms that Minister Taves tacitly approves CSIS's plan to make these allegations public and did nothing to stop it. So wait, so when Dan, Pam Danoff is saying they did nothing to deal with Chinese influence when they were in power, when they tried to deal with it in power, the Liberals lost their minds and freaked out and accused the Conservatives the way they always do of anti-Chinese racist sentiment. These Liberals, they are nothing if not predictable. Now, they do it in opposition, they do it in government. But if you criticize how they are getting elected and maintaining power, you're just some kind of racist. How It's 12 years apart and they're still doing the same thing. Oh, and, and blackface played the race card when this story first broke some three weeks ago, yep. Sheila. You know, if you have a problem with an Asian Canadian MP, you are therefore engaged in anti-Asian hate. When the biggest haters of Chinese people is the is is the Chinese Communist Party for what they subject yeah. their own citizens to, uh, including uh, the Uyghur minority uh, that uh, it, it appears that a genocide is going on. So please, blackface, don't play the race card. Take a look at yourself in the mirror. And um, yeah, just on that, just on that note. I mean, two Chinese, ethnically Chinese Canadian conservatives lost their seats, Alice Wong and Kenny Chu. And yeah. when uh, people like you and I say, maybe you guys shouldn't be screwing them over by accepting the help of the Chinese communist state. How does that make me racist? I just want election integrity. And that's generally something the liberals won't shut up about, except insofar as it comes to them potentially winning 11 ridings thanks to foreign influence. Oh, it, it makes you racist, Sheila, because you see, if there is a uh, an MP who is part of an ethnic minority who thinks right of center, well, they're not real well diversity. White. <laughs> <laughs> they're white. <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. And by the way, I understand the commission or the inquiry is, uh, and I'm not sure if this is a good or a bad thing because it might be a distraction, but they're also going to look at Russian electoral interference and Indian electoral interference. There's been a scuttlebutt about these two countries, Russia and India, interfering in Canadian politics. Jeez, it's almost like, is there anyone out there not interfering with uh, Canadian politics? And you know, if we are going to go Canadians, probably. It's, part of me. It's Canadians. It's Canadians. We, yeah. <laughs> we're the only ones not getting a say in how things are working out. It's the Chinese, the Russians, the Indians, uh, the environmentalist lobby out of San Francisco. They're running the show. And you know who's definitely not getting a, a say? Albertans. Oh, yeah. 100%. But you know what? Let's further broaden it. I, I'd love to see if there has been any role with the Iranian regime, because we know that the Iranian member of parliament uh, for Richmond Hill in the liberal government, that be Majid Johari, he loves the regime. He's pro-regime. I mean, like you see like 150,000 of his own constituents and others demonstrating, demanding regime change, um, making the point that, you know what? If a woman in Tehran breaks a dress code, we don't think that's worthy of a death sentence. And this guy is pro-regime. I mean, it is staggering. So you got to wonder, what was behind the scenes there to get him in, in, in power? Because I'll tell you, Sheila, the, per, the members of the Persian community that I meet, 
they universally despise Johari and they want regime change. They were running away from that regime by coming to Canada. How is it that the member of parliament in our nation is completely the opposite of these people? I, I just don't understand. You know, we should um, switch lanes here really quick because we're rapidly running out of time. Although I don't have anything scheduled right after, so we can go a little bit late. Um, because I just want to touch on this one thing because it's in the description of the show today. Okay. And it's uh, Deputy Prime Minister, Finance Minister, Christia Freeland. <laughs> She's explaining inflation. Um, and let us <laughs> never forget that this woman was so bad at fiscal management that she destroyed an entire department at Reuters. Like <laughs> she, <laughs> she was so bad that Reuters, for some reason, put her in charge of something and she absolutely burned the whole thing to the ground, um, financially speaking. And so Justin Trudeau was like, you know what? You're one of the smarter liberals. We're going to make you the finance minister. That should scare all of us. Um, but anyway, she tried to uh, explain inflation to Canadians yesterday. And I thought if we all just canceled our Disney Plus or our Netflix, that inflation would be fine. And then we could afford um, lettuce again. But apparently that didn't exactly work. So let's listen to um, this little goblin talk. <laughs> the truth is we can't fully compensate every single Canadian for all of the effects of inflation or for elevated interest rates. To do so would only make inflation worse and force rates higher for longer. Canadians are smart. Everyone here is smart. So I know you understand that. Oh, so condescending. And to get back to what you said earlier, Sheila, uh, her first inflation tip was cancel your Disney <laughs> Plus subscription. You know, as hard as it was for her kids to endure that. First of all, Sheila, I'm calling BS on Freeland yeah, there. Same, I same. wish I could intercept their cable bill and see if that subscription is still being maintained. I would bet big bucks it is. But um, again, how, how where's the credibility? An entire department um, went belly up under her stewardship <laughs> when she was with Reuters. So she's the one getting uh, pre. I mean, it's just like blackface talking about racism when this guy's lost track of how many times he's impersonated black people by donning uh, face paint and uh, that weird thing he does when he uh, does uh, put the blackface on, sticking his tongue out, you know? So um, please, what's the saying? Uh, Physician, heal thyself. Well, if you listen to what she's saying, she's saying we can't compensate everybody for inflation, which means we can't give everybody money to deal with inflation because that would make inflation work. But the problem is that inflation is bad because you gave everybody a bunch of money. So if it's, if it's bad now, then wouldn't it be great if you could admit that it was a mistake the first time around when you bailed everybody out with all these, the COVID handouts and then continue to spend and continue to spend and continue to spend and dump money here and there, make it rain while gouging the taxpayer on the other side. Um, but now, just now it's bad. Now it's going to cause inflation. Not all the things you did to get to inflation to where it is. You can't admit that was bad. Of course not, because she thinks we're hard of remembering. And Sheila, what about leading by example? And of course, I don't mean uh, canceling your Disney Plus subscription. <laughs> but according to Blacklock's reporter, Cabinet approved millions, 
millions of dollars mm-hmm. in executives back pay and bonuses last year even as Freeland was warning taxpayers to brace for a recession. And that's according to records that Black Logs got. So, uh, Sheila, first of all, you have basically a monopoly if you're a federal government uh, bureaucrat. I mean, you're not competing with another bureaucracy. Um, So how do you get a bonus? I mean, I understand if you're the marketing director for Pepsi and under your stewardship, uh, market share goes up 3% over Coca-Cola. Yeah, you know what? That translates into millions and millions of dollars. But I, what qualifies a federal bureaucrat to get a bonus in the first place? I remember, I forget. I wrote it up for the website, but I write up so many things for the website. Sometimes it's like 10 things a day. And it was an order paper question across the federal government. Um, and it was about executive bonuses. And basically everybody got an executive bonus except for just like a handful, even people who were under investigation for sexual harassment or otherwise (laughs) harassment in the ministries, they were getting bonuses. And I forget who asked the order paper question, but it came in and I wrote it up. And this is a problem across all of government that they are so insulated from the realities of the people who actually pay their salaries that if they don't get bonuses, they get upset via rail. The company is basically in free fall via yeah. rail. And the they all got bonuses. Um, they found cash for bonuses, um, even though they were currently lobbying the government at the time for a COVID bailout. Yeah, over 95% of federal government managers received a performance pay top up last year, written by me. It just They are just handing them out all over the place. We're in an inflationary crisis. And I think the PSAC, Public Sector Union, they're demanding, what, 30% pay raise? Oh, and. and it's gotten so bad that even the NDP are making sense sometimes, which frightens me. It, I think they're just doing it to be contrarian against the Saskatchewan party. They're not doing it out of any sort of principle because it seems counterintuitive to what they want. Um, in Saskatchewan, it was the NDP that stopped a pay hike for the MLAs there. What is going on when the NDP are even standing up against these bonuses? That's interesting. But that 95% figure is uh, astonishing because there's if this was a private sector company, there's no way 95% of your workforce <laughs> has done something based on performance or ROI, return on investment, to warrant a, a bonus. So I wonder what the benchmark is, Sheila. You know, And I wonder... How bad that 5% of employees, how bad they are that they didn't qualify along with the 95% from well, yeah, especially when the like sexual harassers were getting the bonus. Let, just on the flip side, this is how it works in the private sector. I won the Rebel News Viewer's Choice Award for 2022. Thank you, everybody who voted for me. But I also won Employee of the Year. You know what it came with? A plaque and a trophy. and uh recognition um of uh my boss and the people that i work with um but if i worked in the government i'd be getting like a three hundred thousand dollar top up it's crazy that that is crazy um well we should move along too because on the subject of uh, oh no we we just covered that off but more freeland um freeland (laughs) states that putin and the pandemic have cruelly revealed 
to the world's democracies, the risk of economic reliance on dictatorships. Gee, it's kind of funny, Sheila, because it, it seems with every passing year, Trudeau is increasingly moving Canada to the dictatorship model. Um, I wonder if that's because he admires the basic dictatorship of China. That's what he said 10 years ago, folks, before he became prime minister. So uh, don't trust me when I come to the uh, when it comes to the D word. But let's see uh, what the great one has to say about this. At the same time, Putin and the pandemic have cruelly revealed to the world's democracies the risks of economic reliance on dictatorships. As a result, our allies are moving quickly to friendshore their economies and build their critical supply chains through democracies like Canada's. Well, um, what the hell is that lady talking about? You know, uh, like, <laughs> again, does this woman think we're hard of remembering? We have been trying to sell Europe liquefied natural gas for years now. We can't get it off of Canada. Yep. They are reliant on Gazprom, a Russian company for natural gas in Germany. They are funding whatever you think about the war in Ukraine. Western Europe is funding the Russian war machine. Now, like I said, whatever you think about what's happening between Russia and Ukraine, Western Europe is the money train that is making all of that happen. And I'm reliably informed that Freeland doesn't like Putin. So if you don't like Putin and his stranglehold on Western Europe, might I suggest you help Canadians sell Western Europe some natural gas so that they don't have to buy it from somebody that Freeland really doesn't like, and that's Vladimir Putin. But they are just strangling the life out of the liquefied natural gas prospects here in Canada. Um, and uh, Putin just laughs all the way to the bank. Oh, Sheila, surely you forgot that when the German chancellor came to Canada a few months ago right. and asked for a third of a trillion dollars worth of liquefied national gas. Uh, Prime Minister Blackface said there's no business case here because we're so flush <laughs> with money. We don't have a deficit. We don't have a debt. Why would we need one third of a trillion dollars? And then the leader of Japan came and asked for a similar uh, business arrangement. And again, Blackface said no business case. I mean, does this guy understand business? I, I wonder, because in addition to his admiration for the love of the basic dictatorship of China, didn't he once say the budget will balance itself? And, you yeah. know, some 10 years later, Sheila, I'm still trying to figure out what the hell he meant by that. And this is the prime minister, not some kid in elementary school. Yeah. Remember, he also said we'll grow the economy from the heart outward one of the dumbest things he's ever said. And I can't believe how frequently for he, we forget that he said that. But yeah, he, he said there was no business case, um, even though they're literally saying like, could you sell us that? Could you sell us that? And he said, you know what we should do? We'll sell you some hydrogen. And they're like, well, we don't want hydrogen. Not only do we not have one hydrogen, we don't have the capacity to sell it to them either. Um, but this is what he said, because he doesn't understand how things work. He just knows that fossil fuels are bad. And so we can't, offset dictatorial regimes who are selling fossil fuels with Canadian freedom fossil fuels. Um, he just thinks they're all bad. There's no moral case for them. That's the thing. 
it's not that there's a financial case. There's always a financial case because they're just going to buy them from somebody else as they are right now. He thinks that there's a moral case to not sell fossil fuels. And and meanwhile, Sheila, there's trouble in paradise, I would imagine, because while we're vilifying the Russians for the invasion of Ukraine, and while Trudeau professes he loves the basic dictatorship of China, well, uh, President Xi uh, went over to Russia and he called his uh, called Putin his dear friend. Uh-oh, does not compute. How are we going to figure out uh, some sort of statement on this? But let's play a little bit of that video. Мне очень приятно по вашим приглашениям еще раз посетить Россию с государственным визитом. Тем более... You know what I love, Sheila, when he says, after my next re-election? <laughs> I mean, yeah. it, it, not if I get re-elected. It's already, you know, I the know. fix it is know. in, as they say in Vegas. But how is Blackface and Freeland going to make sense of this uh, unholy alliance that seems to be hatching? Yeah, especially since we just had um, the special rapporteur, <laughs> independent rapporteur, um, getting friendly with Xi Jinping. Um, how do you square this circle? They, these people are going to twist themselves in knots to try to distance themselves from this, but also not distance. Like, it's so inconsistent. Like, if you think that these two are bad guys, you probably wouldn't have anything to do with them. But they don't think, I, I really don't think that either one of them, according to the liberals, I don't think the liberals think either one are kind of bad guys. But one is politically opportune to uh, demonize and the other one, not so much. Amazing. It's uh, it's like the Meryl Streep film, isn't it, uh, Sheila? It's complicated. <laughs> okay. What year but- did that movie come out, David? <laughs> could, could you have a pop culture reference from this century, please? <laughs> once, just once on the show, please. <laughs> well, I'm sure those of a certain age, uh, Sheila Gunn-Reed, appreciate my pop culture references from yesterday. You know, when the world was uh, normal... I mean, my gosh, I w- the loan I would take out if anyone was selling a DeLorean DMC with the flux capacitor option, just set the coordinates for 1985, I'd be so happy. <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> it's a different yeah. world 85 back then. was but- <laughs> good. We were just past like the uh, murderous hippie portion of human history. 85 was good. Music was good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I totally agree. Well, we should get on to some of the super chats. I'm sure some have come in, and I see we're almost 10 minutes after the hour. So, oh, yeah. Sheila, do you have uh, some pithy prose to read? Yes. Okay. Oh, got to so, get the glasses on. Yeah. These are my serial killer glasses. um okay funis five there's new trudeau dancing with the rapporteur content out on youtube and rumble today i'm sure it looks uh it sure looks like we were in for convoy investigation scam 2.0 yeah i saw a photo of 
like Trudeau and his wife doing something obnoxious and inappropriate when they shouldn't have been. And uh, I think David Johnson's in the background of that photo. <sighs> Efron or Olivia, you know what I'm talking about? I think she's wearing a red dress, maybe. I don't know. That's incredible. Anyways. Oh, be yes, I saw that photo. Yep. <laughs> Do we have it? Yeah, she's wearing a red dress. Um, she's wearing a red dress. Why is he dancing with who is that? That's the cabinet minister, isn't it? I think so. Is that Melanie Jolie? Melanie Jolie seems to be dancing with Trudeau. And is Sophie Gregoire Trudeau dancing with David Johnston? What is happening in this photo? It looks like Johnson is just doing a jig, like he's, uh, you know, the Ottawa version of the Lord of the Dance. <laughs> I've been to this beer gardens. Like, I just, I just don't know what the heck is going on here. Um, this you know, stuff, when this happens in, in Lamont, this ends up in a fist fight. When, when somebody else is dancing with your husband. <laughs> Maybe it ends up yeah. differently in the Laurentians than it does in um, Lamont County. Not even hiding the conflict. Unbelievable. Uh, Bonnie Denolition. I hope I said that right. Gives us a buck. Do they screen trans men for prostate cancer? I don't know. And I, I don't care. I, I don't care. But I also don't want to pay for screenings of imaginary diseases also to feed into somebody's psychosomatic delusions. You know no, but I mean? you know what, Sheila? I, I think that's worth the call. I think Bonnie raises a, a perfect uh, point in terms of what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Maybe I should uh, call the Canadian Cancer Society and see if, yeah, if trans men, that means a woman who's become a man, right? Because I, I know it's so confusing, at least it is for me, if they should be uh, getting screened for prostate cancer. I wonder what they would say. Uh, I think it's worth asking. Who's going to ask? Are you going to ask? I'll ask. Okay. <laughs> okay. There you go. We've got a game plan. Uh, Cranky Blue Noser gives us 20 bucks. Well, that's very generous. I'm trans libertarian. Cause of my condition is liberals and pseudo Tories. Uh, Fraser McBurney, five bucks. Fraser, as you all know, is a fight the fines recidivist from Hamilton who recently just had his charges <laughs> withdrawn. And he is a real fan of the caps lock. Very excitable. He's out there protesting literally every single weekend in Hamilton. One of the crazier places in this country, by the way. Um, the people are great. The government is awful. Yeah. Um, who writes, uh, you have Mother's Day, you have Father's Day, you have your birthday. Why do you have to have LGBT blah, 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 plus every day of the year? It gets tiring. I just oh. don't understand. I don't understand. It went, as David said, it went from like Pride Parade Day to Pride Week to Pride Month. And then it became Pride Season, which is what we used to call summer. And now it's all the time. Yeah. And Again, I, like I, I cannot stress enough how little I care how other people live their lives. Just leave the kids alone yep. and, and don't force whatever you're doing on anybody else. Just leave me alone. I'll leave you alone. That's all anybody ever wants, I think. And that's what I was told the other side wants. But we're not there anymore. And I hate to ruin Fraser's day, but, you know, Sheila, as we've reported in uh, previous months, uh, there's an increasing number of schools that are not engaging in any kind of 
Father's Day or Mother's Day celebrations, because what if the child doesn't have a father or a mother, and therefore the vast majority of children, uh, their wishes to display uh, heartfelt thanks to their mother or father, uh, it's off the books. And including, I think we even did a story of a private school that got rid of these uh, kind of celebrations. So, but you know what? Uh, to Fraser's point, I'm sure in June they'll be doing the LGBT, et cetera, et cetera, celebration, uh, whether or not uh, you're a member of the LGBT, et cetera, et cetera, community, because that's the way we roll. It's called diversity. Mother's Day, Father's Day, those are gone. As you pointed out last week, St. Patrick's Day, that's gone now. It's O'Green Day. It's a little too Catholic. Everybody, um, what is, they don't, it's not really Christmas anymore. It's sort of the holidays. Um, <laughs> although these public sector workers are all like all too happy to get the day off yeah. for a holiday they can't name. That's um, right. I think that's it. We're all caught up, I think now. Well, that is fantastic. Well, folks, thank you so much for tuning in uh, to the uh, live stream. Much appreciated, especially for those who gave a financial donation that is always much beloved. And thank you to Efren and Olivia, our super producers behind the screen there. And of course, to my co-host, the lovely Sheila Gunn-Reed. I shall be back tomorrow. Are you joining me uh, tomorrow, uh, Sheila, or is it another rebel? staffer tomorrow i have to leave in the pre-dawn hours to go to calgary to cover a bail hearing for pastor derek reimer in calgary so um again uh, you'll have yes so maybe maybe the crown will show up this time who knows um it's not like a man is behind bars or anything so so uh you'll have a different uh co-pilot tomorrow incredible well that just shows you how busy sheila is so i'll be here with somebody tomorrow so please tune in at one o'clock eastern in the meantime, as always, stay safe and stay sane. Mr. Chair, uh, Mr. Cooper, in question period, referred to the call the Prime Minister corrupt. Do you share that opinion? Uh, when you look at Justin Trudeau's uh, uh, attempts to interfere in a criminal prosecution with SNC-Lavalin, when you look at the fact that he's been found guilty three times of breaking ethics laws, I think that's a very, very accurate description. So that's, that's a yes, the Prime Minister is corrupt from you. Is that, am I correct with that? I have repeatedly uh, pointed out the corruption that Justin Trudeau has engaged in, whether it's from SNC-Lavalin, whether it's from his own personal ethics violations, whether it's been found guilty three times of breaking the law, uh, funneling money to his friends at the We Charity organization and only backing down after he got caught. Uh, Justin Trudeau and his government has a long history of getting caught in corruption scandals. Okay.